This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Tuesday afternoon. So nice to have you along for the ride. And speaking of rides, you know, we've talked about this before on our show. We've talked about the future of vehicles. We've talked about electric cars, self-driving cars, autonomous vehicles, and it's really exciting. But it can also be probably a little daunting if for many years your job has depended on the vehicle and that would be the internal combustion engine because we know things are are changing and they're moving pretty quickly and that's why i i'm looking forward to my guest this half hour i've got peter terzaki and he is with arc energy research institute first of all peter you say hello Hello. And I've also got Jackie Forrest. She's the Director of Research at ARC Energy Research Institute. Jackie, hello. Hi. And both of them, along with myself, we are putting a little bit of this on our Facebook Live. So if you want to tune into News Talk 770's Facebook Live, you can join in on the conversation that way. And and the reason I, I wanted to bring them in, first of all, Jackie, I want you to tell me about an upcoming event so popular Sadly, that it's already sold out. But uh, give my listeners an idea of what's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks now. Actually, on Monday. Oh, it's Monday already. Of course, it's April that quickly. Yeah, so tell me about that. So on Monday, we're hosting an event to look at, we're calling it the battle for the hearts and wheels of the market. And the biggest question when you think about the future of oil demand is what's going to happen with the light-duty vehicle fleet? You know, is the electric car going to really start making more inroads and change the outlook for oil demand? And so we're having a, a one day really devoted to seeing different perspectives on that. There are people with, uh, you know, very bullish views on the electric car, people that are very bullish on what the combustion engine can still do, and also looking at the upstream innovation that could happen both upstream for the electric car on the battery side, but upstream for the oil and gas industry on the production of oil and gas. Peter, this is such an important conversation for Alberta in particularly. Do you think the energy industry has been having that conversation about what's going to happen in the future? Or is there a part of the industry that's kind of got its blinders on saying, no, we've been good this long. We're going to be good for another 50 years. Well, my assessment is that the industry, not only here, just broadly, globally, has its blinders on. And that's one of the reasons why we're having this conference is to bring together people in the oil and gas business, as well as people in the challenging electric vehicle business, all in one room together. We feel that the oil industry is definitely in denial mode about the changes that are forthcoming. Uh, But equally, we would argue that the electric vehicle people are also uh, a little bit starry eyed in terms of where they think they can go and are unaware of how much the incumbent, the oil and gas industry, is actually innovating as well. So that's why we're calling it the battle for the hearts and the wheels of the market, because it's truly probably the biggest battle for market share that is out there today. Uh, Jackie, do you feel like sometimes, especially when we talk about the electric vehicle industry, they're kind of the bright, shiny new toy, and they're all excited about where things are in the future and almost looking at the the other guys as you guys are so far behind? Well, well I think they're new and people are excited about something that's new. Um, but there's a lot of challenges there, too. I think there's a lot of people that are interested in an electric car, but when they start to look at the cost and the utility It's just not where it needs to be. And so that's why today, only one out of every 100 cars sold is an electric car. 
one out of every hundred, and, and Peter, I keep feeling like I'm in a tennis match here, but because you guys <laughs> are both wealths of information that I wanted to pick both your brains. So when we look at the electric cars, how... I mean, we've had a lot of advancements even within the last 10 years because you talk about range and the battery power and what are you going to do in climates like Calgary's. But what are the projections as far as really seeing more electric cars on the road? Well, I would say the most uh, overzealous projections would be to have about 20 million cars on the road by 2020. Uh, The aspirational number by people and like associated with a climate conference in Paris would be about 12 million. Today, Jackie, there's what, about 1 million? Two in, is, in is total. Two, two yeah. in total. So Wait, you two go for, in total globally or yeah. in Canada? Where? Globally. Globally. Okay. Out of the uh, billion or so in the light duty vehicle. Fleet. It would yeah. be 2 million. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to go from 2 million to 12 million mm-hmm. by 2020. And one of the questions we're asking the conference is, I mean, is there even going to be enough battery manufacturing capacity? Is there enough upstream mining capacity to be able to grow to the levels of 20 million by 2020, even if you wanted to? Um, Our initial assessment is that there isn't, but we're going to find out when we bring our experts in on Monday. Uh, Jackie, touch on the advancements, as Peter touched on, uh, about what the oil sector has been doing as far as the the gasoline in the end and what they've been doing for innovations that may make the um, electric car not as attractive because I think that's been the big push towards electric. We all think, oh, it's going to be more uh, better for the environment. But when we see what's happening within that sector, they're making huge advancements as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's advancements up that whole supply chain. So not only are there advancements on the upstream oil production side, but also on the combustion engine technology. Mm. And so the upstream oil side, we've developed this new technology, hydraulic fracturing and and, uh, horizontal drilling Mm -hmm. that has unleashed a whole bunch more oil than we thought we had before. And actually that oil is lower carbon, has a lower uh, carbon footprint for production than many other types of oil out there. So it's actually the mix of oils is getting lower carbon. So there's been a lot of efficiencies there on the economic side as well. That's part of the reason why oil price has halved Mm. compared to what it was uh, three or four years ago. And then on the combustion engine side, there's been a lot of advancements. Many of that has been stimulated by the fact that the U.S. had put in some pretty stringent uh, efficiency requirements um, back even starting in 2005. And so we've seen the combustion engine uh, get more and more efficient as well. And so that makes it harder for the electric car to compete. It has to compete against a lower price fuel in oil and a more efficient combustion engine. And then we also have a new president in the U.S. too, which could change this discussion completely because we have been so carbon footprint focused and we've got Donald Trump saying that, wait a minute, I might be throwing that all out, whatever the legacy was from Obama. He is heading that way even today. Yeah. Uh, But I I would argue that There's no question government policy has influence on energy-related outcomes. However, if you look back historically, technological forces, innovation, have had a far bigger impact. You know, I'd like to say that uh, nobody put a tax on uh, kerosene lanterns when the electric light bulb came in. I mean, people adopted the electric light bulb over kerosene lanterns and candles because it was compellingly better. There was no policy associated with that. And, and so I think if we get to a position uh, 10 years from now when electric vehicles notionally 
are compellingly better than what's in place, mm-hmm. then that's the biggest catalyst uh, that we can expect. So government policy in the near term, yeah, uh, it's, it's a factor. But longer term, I would say technology is a bigger factor. And right away, I know I've got listeners saying, you're bang on, Peter, because we do see governments thinking that they've got to step in, whether it be with a carbon right. levy, they've got to change our, our, our behavior. Yeah. But, you know, expand on that idea that it comes down to what is the better product here for me? Well, that's right. If electric vehicles can demonstrate overall utility on every dimension, you know, safety, range, economics, yeah. uh, then... It will become a substitute that will have its own momentum. Um, if you just give out limited time incentives, uh, but the product is just not as good as what you're trying to replace, uh, the incentives won't yeah. go very far. Okay, let's take a break here. Uh, Jackie Forrest, Director of Research, ARC Energy Research Institute, and Peter Terzakian, he's the Executive Director of the ARC Energy Research Institute. And we are talking about that that fight between the combustion, internal combustion engine, and the future of the electric vehicle. They've got an exciting event that's coming up on Monday. So exciting that it's sold out, but I still wanted to have this conversation. And you know you can always text us, 403-974-8255. After I say goodbye to them at 3.30, I am opening up the phones because I, I want to know from you how quick you would be to switch from what you're driving now to maybe five years from now, an electric vehicle. What do you see the shortcomings of that is? I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk 770. It might not be a choice you have to make in the next three to five years, but maybe 10 years you're looking at a new vehicle, maybe 15 years, and you're saying, there's the electric vehicle out there. Hmm, should I consider that? And that's why I have Peter Terzaki, and he's the executive director of the ARC Energy Research Institute, along with Jackie Forrest, director of research at ARC Energy Research Institute, because on Monday uh, they've got a great event. Um, Sadly, it's so great that it's sold out, but that's why we wanted to bring them in the Energy Investment Forum that's happening on April 3rd and really bringing in both sectors, the ones that really have relied on developing everything that goes into our combustion engine to talk with the ones who are looking to the future for electric vehicles and the challenges that they face. Because, uh, and Peter, you touched on this. I think it was at uh, a recent talk you had that didn't you even ask the crowd, uh, how many of you have driven an electric car? Yeah, it was a crowd of oil and gas professionals, about 250 of them. And I posed the question, raise your hand if you've either driven or owned an electric car. And only about five people out of 250 had actually driven one. Were you surprised by that? I wasn't surprised, but it is a pretty strong um, observation in a sense that an industry that for the first time realizes that this is one of the technological threats coming at them, that out of 250 people, only five would bother to go out and test drive one to feel and see if it's... uh, a true threat. Yeah. And, well, and that was back to my idea of are, are they kind of with blinders saying, you know, nothing's going to change, nothing's changed, nothing's going to change, as opposed to facing what is coming yeah. down the pipe. But, but Jackie, I want you to get into more details because you touched on, even within the, the internal combustion engine, there have been such 
advancements made that we have cleaner burning engines that even the conversation that maybe we had 15 years ago about the need for an environmentally friendly car and that's why everyone was gung-ho on electricity even that has changed so can you give me more specifics when we talk about the changes Well, already we've seen a lot of changes with turbocharging and better transmissions, but there's more to come. And I know there's some question about the U.S. uh, EPA under Donald Trump if we're going to see some changes there. But despite that, there's fuel efficiency requirements in Europe and and many states in the United States. So I do think we're going to still see improvements. And some of the improvements that are coming in the next five or so years would be things like uh, lighter materials, lighting, lightening up the weight can mm-hmm. make the combustion engine much more efficient. There's this start-stop technology, so when you're at the light, you won't be running the engine anymore. That can make a huge difference in fuel economy. Mm-hmm. There's uh, opportunities, even though the engine is 100 years old, believe it or not, there's still opportunities to get more efficiency out of it, and there's new plans to do things around that. Um, and so I do think you're going to continue to see the electric car having to compete with a more and more efficient combustion engine, mm-hmm. which is going to continue to, uh, to keep the electric car on its toes. It's got to get its costs much, much lower and continue to keep them lower uh, to keep up with the advancements of the combustion engine. What about hybrid vehicles? Are they are they the solution, I mean, because we're able to see kind of the benefits of both? Well, and that's actually one of the other technologies that's been highlighted as a way to meet these mandates, uh, which are talking about adding 10 more miles per gallon over the next 10 years or so to the electric or to the combustion engine. And one of them uh, is a light electrification. So um, some of them are plug-ins that will go 20 miles on electric before the combustion engine starts mm-hmm. in. Others are more the traditional hybrids where the electric engine works with the combustion engine. But there's some real advantages in that partnership where the combustion engine can be much more efficient because it doesn't have to have all the attributes it does today. It can rely on the electric engine Hmm. for the fast starting. So I think there's lots of innovation still going on. And that's actually a whole panel at our conference is to talk to some experts on what's going on in that space. Well, of the three of us in the studio, only one of us actually has an electric vehicle. And that would be Peter. How long have you had an electric vehicle? Uh, since late December. You have both, though, right? I have, have both, okay. yeah. Since late December? Yeah. You bought an electric vehicle in December in Calgary? I did. <laughs> because everyone always says, oh, they're not going to be able to handle <laughs> our, our winters. So uh, give me your review of your electric vehicle and what you have found. Well, I, I think it's science fiction. I mean, it's an amazing vehicle. And I would say for a commuter, it's a no-brainer. It is a very satisfying, smooth drive back and forth to work. Uh, the cost of, quote, filling it up yeah. is negligible. It's like plugging in your iPhone at home. So I, I think that as a commuter vehicle, winter, summer, doesn't matter. It's a, it's a compelling alternative. Uh, the limitations, of course, mm-hmm. if you want to go long distances, then you have to plan out your route. What's your range right now with yours? Uh, my range would be close to 400 kilometers, mm. which is it's a That's higher pretty, end battery, yeah, yeah. So I can I can do that, but uh, it's not something that when you first get one, you're a little bit on edge. You don't really know how far you can push it, and so on, right. uh, especially in the winter. But now I'm so used to it; it's really not a consideration. But I I would say that uh, there are some things I'm diarizing because I said I, I want to compare the two mm-hmm. in a very honest way. When you get one, uh, you have to have a 220 volt. Connection into your garage. Right. So, if your garage does not have that, like a dryer type, yeah, exactly, uh, like a plug-in, yeah, uh, you have to get your house wired. And depending where your utility room, that's going to cost you so much. And uh, there's other factors. But I think what you're going to see emerging 
over the next 10 years as more and more people for a commuter vehicle, uh, the utility value is very high. Uh, as far as charge stations, well, what do we have in Calgary? Do we have any charge? I don't even know. There are charge stations, there are charge right? Stations, and they are right? being built out. Um, one of the issues with the charge stations is there there is um, unique ones for different types of cars. So the Tesla has one that can fast charge only a Tesla. Um, and some mm. of the other ones are more generic. There's also fast charging and slow charging. And What's so, the time when you talk about fast charging? I guess it depends how low your battery is. But, you know, can you give me an idea, I'll Peter or Jackie? Well, I can charge my vehicle for my commute uh, back and forth to work in less than an hour. All right. Uh, in my in my home. In your home. And so I've got right. the, the two twenty. Yeah. Uh, if you were to plug it into the wall, it would take uh, probably three times as right. long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So continue. Oh, and there's but there's the fast charging stations, uh, like oh, in yeah. Red Deer, and that would be much much shorter, right? Yeah, I think in half an hour you can basically. That's still weird. Up. Half yeah. an hour, right? We we think we have to sit there in our car. Okay, maybe I'll wash the windshield while yeah. I'm waiting. But you're now talking half an hour. But still, I think the reality though is that you, in this instance, with the electric car mentality, is not to let the vehicle go to empty. Right? You just you much, much like your phone or yeah. your other electric battery products. You, whenever you get a chance, you just plug it in. Now, because I know I have a lot of listeners, and this is Alberta, and we've got truck country. Will we ever see electric trucks? Because that's the other big challenge, isn't it? Well, that's a great question, um, because at our event, we're actually having a company come from VIA, uh, and they are offering electric trucks. So that product is already available. It's sold in the United States. It will soon be sold in Canada. And what they've done is it's basically 40 miles of electric uh, and then uh, basically you have a combustion engine that gives you more range. So it's a little bit more like the GM Volt technology mm, right. where it's like a range extender. Um, but they found for a lot of these work trucks that 40 miles a day is uh, all they really put on. Right. And there's big fuel uh, savings if you're using these trucks every day, that kind of mileage, it can really add up in terms mm. of the fuel savings. And would still have the power that you need as opposed to well, you just could, a little... You could have more power. You uh, would the, have. The, the acceleration... And immediate access to power is far superior in an electric vehicle. It, then, it's, it's, that, okay, because there, that's yeah, me thinking an electric, yeah. it's a little commuter car. I yeah, got lots wow. of texts coming in, and I got to say goodbye to you guys. I, part of me wants you to hang around because you probably have way more knowledge than I do. But um, you know what? Let's take a break here. I want to say goodbye to Peter and Jackie. I might twist their arms in the commercial break in case there's questions that I'm thinking. I have no idea. But um, I, I want you to know that we're not saying, oh, electric vehicles, it's the way to go. No, their whole forum is having the conversation and where do we go with the two vehicles in, in the future for sure. Peter, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Peter Trzakian, he's the executive director of ARC Energy Research Institute and Jackie Forrest, director of research with ARC as well. Jackie, thanks for dropping by. Thank you, Angela. 403-974-8255. Let's talk about electric vehicles, comparing them to the um, combustion engine. We'll do that after this. Well, I managed to twist their arms and actually I started reading the text to them saying, come on, you guys know more about this than I do, the questions that people are fielding. So uh, Peter Terzakian with ARC Energy Research Institute and Jackie Forrest with ARC as well. They said, and we can hang in there for another half hour. So I want you to text us 403-974-8255. Call us, you know, it's the same number, but we're just having the conversation about electric vehicles versus combustion engine vehicles and the future of those. And, and 
And I've said before, on April 3rd, they're having this energy investment forum. But Jackie, obviously, there is such an interest in this. You, you said it's sold out. I'm sure you guys have to turn around in a few months and organize another forum because there's probably such interest in it. Well, you know, we'll see how this one goes, but we do plan to make this an annual yeah. annual event. And I know it's not that easy. You have experts in both fields, so uh, great to be able to bring them together for that conversation. Uh, let me just uh, throw off, uh, throw out a couple of text questions here. Oh, first of all, Peter, I don't know if you'd know this off the top of your head, but one texter says, I'd like to know how much it costs Peter to charge his car for his commute. Any guess? Yeah, it's about a tenth of what I would... A tenth. Be, a tenth, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, at the moment, we still have very cheap electricity prices here in the province. So. Right. There's no question from an operating cost perspective, it's compelling. As well, you don't have any you know, oil changes or maintenance mm. issues as well. So while they cost more to buy right now, considerably more, yeah. uh, there's no question you do make up some of that in terms of the cost of the energy and the lesser cost of maintenance. Jack, you know, I know we, we kind of touched on this, how people need to know where are the charging stations. And um, that is probably the biggest thing before people, well, one of the things, obviously, cost is probably the biggest thing when it comes to actually making that commitment to think about an electric car. Mm-hmm. There's been research to show that that is a barrier. Uh, if you don't see that there's a lot of charging stations that will stop you from buying an electric car um, because... Um, people can sort of have this feeling that they don't want to get stranded somewhere. But the reality is once people buy these electric cars, they're all charging them at home, driving them in a relatively small radius. And so these charging stations aren't really that used. Mm. And so uh, it's important to make that buying decisions, but not so important once people uh, actually make the decision to buy a car. I've never used one. You've never used one because you can plug it in at home. Uh, All right. Uh, I like this person says, uh, no question about it. My next car will be a Tesla, not because of the benefit to the environment, more because I won't have to buy gas ever again. The technological advancements in the Tesla are also a big plus. Who would like to talk about Tesla and what uh, they've done? It is amazing what they've done in a very short period of time. I mean, as I said, it's science fiction, these Mm -hmm. vehicles, and not only in terms of the electric propulsion technology, but also the other features in terms of the self-driving capabilities that are coming up and so on. Uh, one of you, I'm just throwing this out there and neither of you answer it, but uh, one ter- person says, Ange, the trouble with electric vehicles on farms and ranches is that we need diesel power. Electric won't work for us or construction on big rigs or big rigs. I would think in the city, electric vehicles are all right, but the average farmer ranch still travels distances, hauls heavy loads. We need dependability and electric is not there yet. What would you say? To that. Well, I'll start it off and then I'll hand it over to Jackie. I'll just say that an electric motor has more torque than a diesel. I mean, it's it's remarkable. Electric uh, has but, more torque. But having said that, the we recognize that the range and the duty cycle mm. of a farm or other heavy-duty vehicles is much lower, uh, requires more energy in the battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the issue is you've got a much heavier vehicle with a truck. And so, you know, you're going to have to move more weight. You're going to need a bigger battery pack. And today that would mean more challenging economics. And that's why the Via trucks, which you can look them up online, but they have gone with this 40 mile um, on electric because it's really impractical to have it go for much further because the battery Batteries pack would have to be so huge. At, uh, at the moment. At the moment. At the moment. Yeah. Because someone also says, what's the carbon footprint to mine the minerals for the electric battery for your car? 
That's a good question, and that's one that we're going to be talking about at our conference. We have some experts coming in who talk about the three necessary components for the battery, which are lithium, cobalt, and graphite. And uh, the thing about these, uh, these elements are that, uh, like oil, they're in geopolitically charged places, particularly uh, cobalt, for example, comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Oh. And so there's environmental and ethical issues associated with battery manufacture. I, I like to say, I mean, the, uh, nothing in the world of energy comes for free. There's always a link back to resources and environmental impacts. Yeah. And we don't make any suppositions about electric technology being you know, perfectly green or clean because it's not. Everything comes with consequence. Uh, let's go to the phones. 403-974-8255. How you doing, Terry? Very good, thank you. No, I'd like to pass the meal on to your guests. It's not a matter of, for electric vehicles. They've, they've been there since the beginning. But uh, I think it's great that uh, the electric car can do 400 kilometers. It's basically going to Edmonton on one charge. But uh, the, the charging thing should be a real a no-brainer. Instead of charging, change the batteries. Just have a system where you can just take the, the battery and exchange it. You know, whether it's a, a cylinder or basically just uh, the way they do with a forklift truck in, in a warehouse. You just uh, slide it out and slide the new one in, and away you go. Yeah, it's interesting you say that in forklifts and in warehouses, they do do that. Uh, that has been proposed in the past for vehicles as well, cars. Uh, but what they're finding is that uh, the battery technology is improving such that they feel you you're going to yeah. you're, you're gonna be able to charge faster and faster. And as I say, it, it, it's just a willingness to want to do it. Yeah. This is not this is not new technology. Look, uh, the U-boats in, in the First World War were diesel-electric, which basically is a hybrid engine. And if we wanted to have internal combustion engines running on hydrogen or even alcohol, you know, it's not a matter of, of if we can, it's wanting to do it, basically. But but the, 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 the crux of my call was, you know, the personal transportation vehicle isn't going anywhere at all. So we might as well get used to that. And if we're going to get environmental, well, the electric's one good way, hybrid's another. So let's uh, get mm-hmm. down to it. And, and Terry, the combustion engine is also, as, as uh, Jackie was as, pointing out, we've seen such advancements in cleaner engines and better engines as well. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. It, it's always been, it's it's never it's, it's who's making the money out of it. You know, if if we all went with alcohol, well, you know, you're basically just recycling garbage and, and making uh, a fuel source. So as I say, hydrogen, you're splitting water into into its two basic elements, and it's it's been done before. So it's just a matter of, of setting up a system and uh, and going on with it. I think electric is great for the average commuter. Look, if you do thirty kilometers a day, you're doing a lot. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so electric is totally is totally compatible with the city. It, it, it could be done now. Oh, you yeah. You literally it's, drive a golf cart around if, you, if they'd let you. you know, yeah. in, in, Quebec, in Quebec, they made these electric vehicles for years, but they won't let them on the street. Yeah. The, 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 the issue, though, uh, with any alternative to gasoline, which has been almost monopolistic, gasoline and diesel for 100 years in transportation, is just, first of all, the scale of our consumption and the sheer, uh, yeah, the scale. Yeah. And, and so if you want to try and break into the market, you have to have something that's scalable and low cost. Yeah, low and to cost. this point, uh, that has not been the case. 
but we're potentially on the verge of something big in the next 10 to 20 years. Terry, thanks for the call. i got to take a break, and I've got more calls to get to, more texts as well. Um, phone us, 403-974-8255 is also the number to text. Any questions you might have for Jackie or Peter? And we are talking about, and I'm not, I don't want this to come off as, oh, and you're just pushing electric vehicles. What are you doing to our energy sector? I don't want that. I want to just, as they say with their forum coming up, having that conversation with both sides. I'm Angela Coca. You're listening to Calgary Today on News Talk 770. All right, we did have to say goodbye to Jackie for she had a meeting to get to it for. I've managed to keep Peter, though, Terzatki, and he is the executive director, Arc Energy Research Institute, just to hang around because we're getting some great questions uh, about electric vehicles in particular. But, you know, I mean, I've had people uh, texting here saying, my micro is getting 3.9 liters per 100 kilometers, doing 105 kilometers an hour. So, Peter, as I said, I don't want this to be all about electric vehicles because we've got some really energy efficient, environmentally friendly combustion engines as well out there. Well, absolutely. And it's getting better. But the caller or the texture brings yeah. about a really important point, because if we want to reduce our energy consumption, if we want to mitigate carbon emissions, we don't need electric vehicles. We can just all drive smaller vehicles. Mm. The number one determinant of fuel economy is size of weight and weight of vehicle. Weight, yeah. So... Uh, but I can tell you, Angela, that the trends are going decidedly the other way. In the last two, three years, there's been a significant shift again back to migrating towards people buying larger and larger SUVs and trucks. So the people don't want smaller vehicles is really what the, yeah. mar- the market is saying. And so that, uh, that uh, poses new challenges and also makes the bar for electric vehicles to come in uh, higher. Uh, let's let's go to the phones here. Hello, Mike. Are Hello. You still, hi, Mike. What's your thoughts on this? Uh, how are they going to uh, charge uh, uh, get the road tax that we presently pay for each on each liter of uh, gasoline? Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic question uh, and one that is not being well addressed because a significant fraction of a liter of gasoline goes to road tax to pay for the potholes right. and the uh, upkeep and, and build more roads. Yeah. Uh, there is no road tax on electricity. And how do you know that somebody is charging their electric car uh, or running their dryer, or, or running their dryer to, <laughs> yeah. to, to tax it accordingly? So this is something that as more and more of these vehicles hit the road, uh, yeah, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> is, is going to uh, have to be addressed. Yeah, Mike, good question. Uh, let me see here. One other person says, correct me if I'm wrong, but is graphite not carbon? Well, it is carbon. It's the type of carbon that's in your pencil. But uh, if the question is alluding to, uh, is that a bad thing? Well, no, we're not burning the carbon. Because it's a solid. It, because it's a solid yeah. and it's within the, within the thing. But oh. mi- the mining it is potentially, uh, you know, does create some environmental issues. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Hey, Blaine. Hi, uh, I have a couple stories and a comment. Um, the last time I was in Atlanta, um, Georgia, um, they use a lot of electric cars there. And I have to tell you a funny story on us. On I think it was Saturday, um, Saturday night. Uh, There's a bunch of charging stations in the mall across from the hotel where I was staying. And uh, there's all those... Uh, you drive up when you go shopping and, and plug in your electric car and, and shop, and then you come back, unplug it, leave type thing. Mm-hmm. They have them all over the place there. And uh, Saturday night, I couldn't sleep because of the tow trucks. And I woke up Saturday morning and looked down. There was like 15 electric cars um, parked 
all over the mall, uh, empty parking lot Sunday morning because the folks that took their electric cars out forgot to fully charge them Saturday. And when they were out partying Saturday night, going going from bar to bar or whatever they were doing, <laughs> they, they ran out of electricity and had to get a tow truck to tow their cars to these charging, charging stations. I laugh. <laughs> I guess that's getting to know your range, isn't it? All right, what's your yeah. comment, Blaine? Just because I got lots more texts and phone calls as well. well Sorry, it's, th- this whole thing is an issue of, of energy management. Uh, just remember, uh, Angela, that when you plug your uh, cord into the wall, that energy is coming from somewhere. It's all about energy efficiency yeah. and, uh, and uh, specific energy content. That All that energy is going to come from natural gas or electric uh, nuclear power, but it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. No, you're right, Blaine. Yeah, uh, nothing Peter. comes for free. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing comes for free. Yeah, Blaine, it's thanks. Gonna come, you're going you're gonna to move from point A to point B. It's a physical uh, fact. In order to do that, it requires energy. Where is it going to come from? Yeah, exactly. And and as you mentioned, you know, a, the future of electric cars. Then you've got to look at the mining for the batteries yeah, and yeah, what yeah. are we doing for the electricity? Yeah, but one thing I can tell you is that when you plug your car in, the energy does not come from oil. That's true. We don't burn oil, oil. in power plants anymore right it's and, and so gas. when we think about uh, the conference that we're having it's sort of assessing well what are the potential impacts of this new mobility technology on the oil industry long term yeah so yeah it could be good for natural gas or renewables or coal or whatever uh, but uh, it is a it is a direct uh, it is a direct assault on the oil business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what the oil business has to look at down the road. Uh, Murray's got a good text. I cannot afford an electric car, but I can tell you these cars are extremely fast. They can travel a quarter mile in under 12 seconds. Too bad they're only for the affluent members of society. And Murray, touching on the fact it's the price, how expensive they, yeah, are, they are at this point. Yeah, and they are. And to this point, uh, Tesla's been the pioneer and it has come into the luxury market first. That's a very logical market. If you look back in history, new technologies often target the upper end mm-hmm. of the uh, the pay scale first. Henry and Ford. Then, and, Henry, and then it trickles down into the rest of society. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're at that point. Uh, the Chevy Bolt and the other automakers, Nissan Leaf. And there's, uh, I think by the end of the decade, there's probably going to be 15 or 20 different electric vehicles that will be more tuned to the mainstream. Um, i got a few more minutes here with Peter, and I wanted to get in a few more phone calls and texts as well. One person saying, what do the batteries cost and how many do you need? Well, that depends significantly upon the type of cars, and each car maker has its own technology. Right. But here's what I can tell you is that uh, the price of batteries needs to come down by, by about another half. Mm. And that sounds like a lot, except when you consider that over the course of the last half dozen years, they've come down by about 75%. Wow. So the technology is very fluid. It's moving quickly. We've got some very big plants being built in the United States. In Asia, there's many plants being built, and the scaling up of the battery manufacturing is going to drive down the cost further. Well, and then someone says, I believe the batteries last eight to 10 years. What's to be done with them after that? Well, there are, I mean, recycling is already a big part of the hybrid battery uh, cycle, Mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing cycle. And so these sorts of things are being considered as well by the automakers. One person says fossil fuels are going the way of rubber, mostly synthetic now. That industry changed and so will fossil fuels. And I think that's part of this forum that you're going to have is just some of the advancements and changes that yeah, are happening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very dynamic. 
but uh, it's not black and white. I really mm-hmm. want, and you know the notion is is that the oil industry is like the typewriter industry. You know that it's going to go off a cliff very quickly, and word processors coming in. Uh, this is not the case. Yeah. Uh, the thing that we can envision is probably a mix of the two types of transportation and mobility systems. And, and the whole notion of how we get around is changing. And oil will still be a large part of that for probably several decades to come. The question is just how much. Yeah. And, and that's just uncertain at the moment. We're, we're going to try and assess that. Yeah, all right. Let me squeeze in a couple of more phone calls before I have to say goodbye for this hour. Hey, Randy. Hey there. Um, I've talked to a couple of people who have electric cars, and they said they're all but useless in, like, minus 30-degree weather because the batteries freeze up. I'd like to hear comments on if there's been any improvement on that issue. Hmm. And uh, I'll just hang up and yeah. listen to your answer on the radio. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, it certainly was one of my uh, anxieties, but uh, I've driven it at minus 30 with, with not a problem. There's no question there is a compromise in the range. Right. Uh, you know, you're probably 60% of, of, of full range. But I, The I, idea I, of freezing I, up, though. Yeah. I no, mean, I, yeah. I, mean, I haven't experienced yeah. that. But uh, again, you know, the technology is changing very quickly. I think that we can't get fixated on comments and hearsay right. uh, from the past because the technology is changing. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Uh, you know, people still think, oh, it's not going to work in these in our climate. But obviously, they are trying to address that as well, as you said. Peter, thanks so much for spending the whole hour here. I know you didn't sign up for the full hour, but we really appreciate no, it. No, it's my pleasure. All right, Peter Trzaki, and he is the executive director, Arc Energy Research Institute. We've got news coming up next. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.